2017, ladies and gentlemen, somehow we made it. I wouldn't... Oh, no, it's not 2017. 2017 just passed. <laughs> Jesus. All right. Now I'm all shocked. That's the kind of year it's been. All right. This is where I cut. There you go. Okay. It's 2018, ladies and gentlemen. Somehow we made it. And I don't think there's many people out there who would say 2017 was a good year. But for music, for entertainment, it wasn't that bad, actually. In fact, I'd say it was a pretty large step up from 2016. And here to discuss that with me today is my brand new in 2016 co-host, Nico Vasillo. Hi there, everybody. It's me. It's Nico. How are you guys doing? How are you doing, Chris? Um, you know, I've been better, but uh, we get to talk about fun stuff, and it's going to be a good time. And also with us is the commissioner, general manager, owner, sports director, metaphors. producer, uh, the, the Tommy Wiseau of ooh. Cage Club, Joey Lewandowski. Ooh, 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 ooh. I want to say right off the bat, if, if you like the last 10 minutes of now 15 side B, you are going to love this episode. <laughs> Yeah, that was a little bit of a whoopsie, but it's you know it's okay. It's just a, a preview. It was a, a little teaser trailer. I actually thought that now fifteen was um, you know some of the most. I, I think it's some of the clearest we are. I think I, I I literally can't stop listening to the baby bash bit. It makes me laugh so hard, no matter what I'm doing. I laugh just as hard in real life as I'm laughing in the podcast, if not harder. Uh, the baby bash bit gets me every time. That's my best of 2017. Ladies and gentlemen, please, in 2018, uh, do not baby bash. That's that's all we ask. It's been a rough year for a lot of people already. Um, don't baby bash. Just don't do it. That's that's why we're having the ice uh, we're having the ice bucket baby bash challenge. <laughs> There's gonna be uh, like pro sports players doing PSAs. Please don't bash right? any babies. It's gonna be that. We really appreciate um, it. What's that guy? That Gronkowski dude, and it's just gonna be him being like protein. Don't baby bash and shit. It's going to be great. That's essentially the Tide Pod thing that he just did. And uh, it was incredible. <laughs> yeah, okay. This is this year's already off to a rousing start. You know, I'm not going to lie. This year has been, like, incredibly stupid for reasons I've kind of enjoyed so far. I, I'm I'm a fan of 2018 so far, but I feel like it's we're about to drop off a cliff. It's got that gut feeling, you know? Like, the, sh- the, the shoe could drop. Uh, is that the right... Phrase the shoe could drop anytime. Waiting for the other shoe to drop. Other shoe. Other foot. Anyway, music. I don't think feet drop. Let the feet drop. So (laughs) (laughs) there's three albums that we came up with that we've all heard, but we're gonna kind of jump around and talk about individual things that we've liked. Um, But first, I want to start with you know so that we can move up on like a, a better note. Let's talk about some disappointments in 2017. Was there anything musically that really kind of bummed you guys out of 2017? You know, I think we all have artists that like that our heart connects with in in a really real and visceral way. That sort of sense of you know, oh my god, I know when I'm 45, I'm still gonna love this artist. Um, and for me, one of those artists is Nelly Furtado, mm-hmm. and uh, I really enjoyed her new record, The Ride. I actually like a lot of it. But I don't find myself itching to replay it like her earlier releases. I, I, I actually, it's a lot of it gets stuck in my head a lot. I think it's a really fun, not fun, it's actually a really powerful record. But for some reason, it just never uh, got stuck on my replay the way I wanted it to. Yeah, I gave it one listen and I was like, eh, yeah, I'm good. Like, I get it. I'm fine. It's nothing that I ever kind of doubled back to which is I mean it's been a long time I don't know if there was an album between this and Loose but it's been a while we were in college when that came out and there's one record between okay I don't know if we just grew up or or it just didn't click uh yeah it missed the mark for me too and I uh I haven't really doubled back to it at all yet so that was uh that was a disappointment Joey how about you I didn't have any musical disappointments last year. I don't, as I've said on every time I'm on this podcast, I don't listen to a ton of music. And so I only find myself listening to good stuff, I think, that people sort of vouch for. And so I don't really have any disappointments, but I also don't have that many secret successes either. So Mm. uh, musically, no disappointments last year. Did you hear the LCD Sound System return album? 
I did. So, okay, so here's my thing with LCD sound system, is that I never listened to them before 2016, summer 2016. And then I saw them at Lala, and they were amazing. They put on an incredible show, and I loved it. And I was like, oh, I should listen to them. And so I listened to some of their albums, and I'm like, these are really good. And so I listened to the new one, and I I was like, oh, this is fine. But I, I haven't had this connection to them, so it's not like I'm disappointed by it. It's just like, oh, I can just go listen to those other albums I've heard one time as opposed to this one that i've heard one time i think so that all right you you coming into the lcd sound system in 2016 makes a little bit more sense as to why this record landed a a little bit differently i I feel like when you have like a massive retirement show like the last one and it's a huge deal and it like sells out the garden three nights in a row and there's bands that come out to like see you and support you in your last show and then like three years later you drop a mediocre album you've like you've soiled a lot of goodwill that you had a 10 years is one thing but like you don't get that big retirement send off and get to go like shit the bed i i think i think part of it for me even is there's this idea we live in the age of revival unfortunately right now everything is a revival of something it's it's getting annoying and I, you know, I, I mean that like I don't. Uh, we're about to talk about a bunch of interesting revivals. That's not the point. Um, no, no, no. But like, I don't want to. I don't want to cut you off, Nico. But like, I'm watching right now as we record this. The X Files is back for its eleventh season, and I watched season yes. ten last year. And like, it's not great. Like, there are really good episodes. And there's episodes that I like, but that doesn't ruin for me at all what I love about the first nine seasons, the original nine seasons, because even that, I guess, you know, by the end, it wasn't as good as it was. But, like, I can watch these and not be, and, you know, and not be disappointed and, like, not think of the show less as a whole. It's just sort of this other thing, right? So I don't know, even if I was super into LCD Sound System, I don't know if, like, a mediocre album coming out would have personally, you know, ruined any goodwill that I had. Well, well I mean, like, let me, let me, let me, I'm going to... I'm a because uh, I, I feel like I'm kind of come at this a little gloves glovesy like like punchy punch, but I don't mean it like that at all. So if at any point I sound like horrific, just be like Nico, the tone, bro. So okay, I predominantly like aging divas, which is the gayest fucking shit in the world. But I've made it very clear that you know I worship at the cock like at the cock of Tori Amos, Janet Jackson, and Mariah Carey, and each one of them is an aging diva in in their own way. And I don't mean that diva like the, 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 the unfortunate colloquial. I mean it like woman of great power who commands a stage in that very great dame kind oh, of Oh, I thought maybe you meant it like and diva cup. You know, the thing that you uh, that collects your period blood? That can't be staying in the podcast. Jesus Christ! That can't be staying in the podcast. Keep it in. That's my favorite. That's my favorite. So I'm so glad. I'm so glad that, yeah. Oh my God, we're such classy men. So... Um, it's a real thing. Seen, there were each periods of time where, like, I had to like break up with each of them for a little bit. Uh, you know, Janet recorded records with songs like "You Make Me So Moist," and Tori Amos became her own executive record producer, and that means that she doesn't understand how to self censor. And we got four or five albums in a row at eighty minutes a piece with bonus tracks every which way and some of it's just bizarre filler i haven't made you link to fat slut yet (laughs) i am begging you to link to fat slut just as an example of you know it 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 was an okay so her my that's kind of what i was getting at though like so this is it all comes around uh circular back to everything so okay my first tory record i was quote-unquote live for was scarlet's walk that was the first record where i was a fan i had all the previous records and i was ready to buy the new record when it came out so I could be part of part of what was going on and Scarlet's Walk is probably her second or third most beloved record it was a really cool time to be a fan it was one of the most successful she had been she was on the cutting edge of new media and blending the use of the internet with the ability to like update the album and you if you put the CD in your CD-ROM it took you to a special website with bonus tracks and it was a really interesting time and um, the record after that was not as well received not as good a record um sold very poorly really did hurt her fan base quite a bit it, the uh, the beekeeper marks a tremendous end in sales success and when you contextualize it it was her um seventh or eighth record in 14 years and she went from being the young piano rock goddess and I, i'm rambling but what i'm kind of more trying to say is 
I agree. The Beekeeper, when it came out and had three good songs out of 19, it didn't make me love the feeling of Scarlet's Walk any less. But I'll be really honest, the Beekeeper did make me kind of write Tori off for a little while. And I was kind of like, yeah, I'm just not interested in her new stuff anymore. And I still loved the old stuff. I still played the old stuff. I just didn't care about the next thing anymore. And I think... I think that's what Chris means. Like you're kind of like you're you're trading in on your brand. I don't think he means well now when people go back and listen to the old stuff, they're gonna be like, This is that time that Michael Jackson licensed revolution for a Nike ad. I think he more meant like, well now anything that does come out is gonna be tainted by the fact that you told us you were done and you came back from being done to make a steaming pile of shit what is wrong with you. Yeah, it's like the kind of the concept of is it better to burn out or fade away? You don't get to do both. Like he had, you don't get to do both. Yeah, he had his moment, and uh, fun, so funny thing um, that you mentioned that Tori Amos album. I'm pretty sure. So mm-hmm. there was a point where I was, you know, we were kind of sharing music, and you were opening me to new things, and vice versa. Like, and and there was a point where I was like, oh man, I, he got me into Liz Fair and Ani DeFranco, uh, and then uh, the first Tori Amos album to drop during that period where I was like, I trust Nico. Uh, was that Tori? I now remember, like it was the, the Beekeeper, and I listened to that, and I went, "I don't get it." Um, and you saying it's, that that is like that is like a disaster piece of an album. Uh, I just find that really funny. Uh, it's universally. Con- I mean, like when I say it is universally considered Tori's low point in her career. She herself calls it the end of an era of music. She'd run out of songs in those genres, like. She, the universe agrees that is the low point of her career. I think Disappointments is a good way to jump into the music that we've all heard. Because as interesting as it is, and as much as I liked this album, um, I will say that Kendrick Lamar's Damn kind of disappointed me a little bit. I think you're crazy. Well, I... I love this record, but I do not think it. It I I I think you need the the complete collector's edition to really get what I want out of it. Um, I also I'm just gonna say something really intense. Every time I look at a picture of Kendrick Lamar, I'm always like, wait, that voice comes out of him. That's fair. I don't know what I I think it is, but I expect Kendrick to have a very different voice than he has. I I want to clarify. I think this album was a little bit of a disappointment in that same way that. In like two, th- when did Breaking Bad go off the air? Like 2011? 2000? No, no, uh, no. It was, no, it was way after 2015. Okay. 2015. Uh, okay. So then when, 14? when in like 2014, people would be talking about Breaking Bad and basically like sucking it off every time they talked about it, I'd be like, you know, I kind of think Breaking Bad was like a little overrated. And before I could get like the next sentence out of my mouth, they would. You are, they would, you are full see, of hot takes this right is now, and I'm not appreciating it. Literally, anything. exactly. I actually completely agree with this him. Is, Breaking Bad is a solid B+. Exactly. That's the thing. It's overrated in that it's not the greatest television show of all time. But for Breaking Bad fans, that is not enough. It must be number one instead of like number eight or number nine. I actually do think that it has one – it has two best things ever. I think Skyler is the most real version of that along for the ride of disaster character. And I think Gus Fring is the scariest supervillain in television history. And also it has think, the best hour of TV that I've ever seen in Ozymandias, but, you know. And that's kind of, I mean, here's, who's to that's say? kind of what I'm saying. Everyone put Damn at number one. And number, it's the best album of the year. And it's like top ten, but it's... I was about to say, number nine! Yeah, it's not, for me, it's not the best one. Um, I felt like it was very inconsistent. And it, it had a very odd pace to it, and people say, ah, but if you play it backwards, I don't care. The, the album that came out is not that. Like, re- change your, change the track list Well, just, just listen to it backwards. That's what you were, you were driving me crazy, because I was like, look, you're supposed to play it backwards, he wants you to play it backwards, all this different stuff, and you're like, oh, I'm not going to listen to it that way. Like, I just don't That's care. That's like saying that The Wizard of Oz has to be watched with, like, Dark Side of the Moon or something like that. Like, if it's not the thing that is put out, why are you expecting me, like, to have to do all of this stuff that's out of the way. Just hey, hey, the hey, lay off Twin Peaks till we're there. Lay off Twin uh, Peaks till we're there. I know, there. I know, and yes, I will have them things to say about Twin Peaks. Uh, essentially the same concept. But I will also, like, like it's a really good album. Damn is... I don't think uh, a rap song has hit me like Damn since probably something off of my beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy. Um, like, that track is fucking incredible. Um, XXX. Like, there's a lot of really interesting good shit on this album. Um, it's just, for me, a step back um, for him. Well, so 
what are you going to be mad when I say that it's my favorite album of the year? But I also only listen to maybe fifteen. Albums. Absolutely not. Um, well, wait, but I, no, why would he be mad? Like, yeah, I think it's because good. Chris is an irrational. I think it's a monster. good album. Jesus fuck. No, this is literally the Breaking Bad thing. Chris is saying this is number nine, and you're Chris. like, you're like, if this is not number one for you, bitch, I hope you're one of those people that gets hurt in a. It's like video. listening to a fucking. It's, nuts. it's like listening to a fucking Patriots fan, bro. If we don't win the fucking Super Bowl this year, then Brady just needs to fucking retire. All right. If we only get to the AFC Championship game, bro, I just I'm gonna fucking kill myself. I don't know what it is that about some art that just brings out like the all or nothing response in some human beings. Like this album was good. It just wasn't like Gaga fans. I'm sorry, but like Gaga fans. She I mean, she was like literally a goddess in like policing her fandom and like making them be nicer to people, but Gaga fans were I, nuts. I certainly when when you give like your entire fan base a name and an identity, I feel like you are playing with fire and making your your putting up an entry a barrier to entry that assholes are going to like enforce yes okay i'm sorry keep going no that's it um so that's kendrick kendrick's album was great it's in my top 10 it's i think in all of our top 10s just you know different places on it um let's talk about the two pop albums that i know we bur- we both heard this year uh and that is kesha's rainbow and lord's melodrama um, yeah okay both? okay i want to give a little bit of background here sure. i do because i i want to say that honestly I was not going to give Melodrama another listen. Same. I had already felt like that I I couldn't tell you what it was I didn't love about it, but there was something I just didn't love about it, and I wasn't going to give it another listen. But, you know, my buddy over here, Joey, was like, no, I'm telling you it's actually a shining star no matter who you are. And I'm really <laughs> glad that I did. I'm actually really, really glad that I did because it's, you know... I think what I, I found jarring about it is it's not the vocal performance I wanted from her. I I actually think she has, I don't know. It almost I felt like she was a little being a little affected on the vocals on like the whole record. But Despondent it is some of the strongest even. songwriting like ever. Yeah, I I think that is her thing, and it's actually it works better here because she is. I think this album is about being. I love how honest it is. It's like literally about being successful too young. Uh, like the whole album, pretty much. And I don't think anything... So you said that you weren't going to give this album a re-listen. I actually was never going to give it a listen because I didn't like Pure Heroin. Um, I didn't... I didn't either! I liked both of them. And I'm so glad that I did listen to I didn't love Greenlight when it dropped. Uh, but we'll talk about Kesha's. I didn't love the single when it dropped either, but I'm glad I came back to it. Um, but as a whole, it's, it's so much more honest. It's so much more... Um, it's, it's probably the most honest album I've heard this year and maybe in like the last, well, no, okay, Cash is fair, um, but about a different, about a different <laughs> yeah, thing. I'm going to come out swinging for yeah, Cash. No, Me and Cash are going. Lord's thing is like admitting so. that she's kind of like a young piece of shit and that, like, I really almost appreciate that. Um, and the despondency in her voice, I think, works a lot better now than it did when she was, what, like 16 or 17 when that first album dropped. Um songs like homemade dynamite dynamite and the louvre i love her little sense of humor that she has like yeah though no, the sense of humor is so great that it, it makes her a person yeah it makes because like i'm so tired of like I, I i can't and i don't mean anything against specific artists when i maybe sometimes use an artist as a stand-in so please i'm not attacking actual demi lovato who i think has said some beautifully brave things and i think needs to be celebrated as a hero but I think Demi Lovato's music all kind of sounds like the same gay Euro trash from 2002. <laughs> I think it's, I don't think it's bad. I don't think it's awful. I just think it's kind of generic. And so like, I, I, I don't think that Demi Lovato's music has the personality that Demi Lovato's spirit per, uh, that contains. Um, I think Lord's music would put a cigarette out on me. I think <laughs> Lord's personality is so ferocious and, uh, it's actually darkly funny. She she doesn't like have like Absolutely. a ha ha sense of humor. She's got kind of like a dark irony sense of humor in a, in a lot of places, and I I just really yeah the the songwriting blows my mind. The songwriting blows my mind. And also really quickly talking about Lord in 2017 to plug a podcast I could really use a bump from a successful podcast like this one. Uh, <laughs> Lord was on Mark Maron's podcast and the interview was amazing. I'm sure she was so so good on that. So if you have you nailed to that, that. <laughs> go listen to that. I, I just like little things like um, again like just the little inflections in her voice to kind of 
punctuate almost not necessarily punchlines, but just like really clever stuff. Uh, you know, our, our love, our relationship is so amazing. They could hang it in the Louvre in the back, but hey, still the Louvre. Like stuff like that. I, I just I love it. There's not a song on there that like. I'm waiting for her to drop a song that really hits me emotionally. I think that's the big thing that's missing from this album. Um, but songs like Homie Dynamite... Uh, Wait, no, there's there's one song on there. i got to bring up the track listing. There's one song on there that like really not, um, hits me. Hold on. Not Supercut. I haven't listened to it. I think while. Supercut's almost what they... Like, a slow version of Supercut could potentially do it, but it's... it's um, and it, they're so... Uh, there's well, such simple... So, Writer in the Dark, uh, I love. Yeah, but I, it's good. Don't get me wrong. And, um... And I think there's some stuff she's doing on this album that she wouldn't get away with on another, like on her first album, like um, L-O-V-E-L-E-S-S, Generation as a Chorus. Probably she couldn't have gotten away with a couple of years ago. I just, there's not a song that makes me want to die. And I think the the style of her music, that she's going to get there one day. I just wish it was on this album. Yeah, that's that's good, good, good note. Good note. That's that was my That's my relationship with Bruno Mars this year. Just, he finally won me. I don't know what it is, but finally, he, he that what's that the current single, the one with Cardi B that I just pretend Cardi B's not on. I could not fucking tell you. Uh oh, it's so good. See ya so on now sixty eight uh, in uh, two thousand and twenty six. Finesse, it is fucking incredible. It is incredible. He won me over. And yeah, that's what I get. You're saying she, she is an artist destined for greatness. She's an artist destined to have her her incredible tortured soul album have a documentary made about it. And she's very reclusive, and she's very you know tortured on it. And yeah, no, one hundred percent. I get it. I get it. I'm with you. It's it's exciting that we're seeing her develop. Um, yeah, just but she got famous too young. Much, much, and that's what this album's about. And she's handling it really well. Uh, there's a maturity here that I can't believe is coming out of uh, an artist that, that on her second album. Like, fuck the sophomore slump, man. Like, she's she's not this one out of the park, in my opinion. Yeah. A song like Sober, like, I can't believe that's coming from someone who's on their second album and is, like, 22 or something. And, you know, there's, it's it's that thing that um, there's a meme going around that... The, the royal baby can speak two languages and knows how to imply people are servants and speak down to people in several more. And, you know, there's, there's a caption on it that's, wow, it sounds like wealth and access lead to advantages in life. Who yeah, would have yeah, guessed? Exactly. And I'm not uh, shitting on Lord in any way. No, no, no. Far from it. But, you know, she is somebody who's taking advantage of the fact that by virtue of her success, she has access to great minds. And that's really, that's a really great thing. Not to bring up my personal story again, but she asked Peter Gabriel, what's the one piece of advice you can give me when she met him? And he said, build your own studio so you control your own masters or the label controls your masters mm. and then you don't control what happens to them. So yeah. the first thing she did with the money from her first album was built her own studio. That's, that's, I mean, as know. I guess that's a pretty good transition into talking about Kesha, um, who we're, we're lucky this album exists. <sighs> oh gosh, this record. Um, well, okay, so I, I had been praying this record would come to me every minute of every day for several years. So, but Joey, what was your relationship with Kesha before she was well-respected critically? I only knew the singles. Uh, the reason I listened to this album, aside from you guys, actually, it might have even been before you guys. I don't know. But my favorite podcast, Never Not Funny, the guys on there, they're all, the two co-hosts are both straight guys in their, in their 40s and 50s, and they both love and adore Kesha. And they've loved her since the beginning, and so for oh, yeah. years they've been talking about her like ongoing legal battle and everything. And then this album came out, they're like, this is incredible. And I was like, let me just see what this is all about. And I was like, oh my god. And by that point, you guys had said, you know, or at least Nico had said, you need to listen to Rainbow. And and I remember when I first listened to it, I was driving up to my friend's house, to my Zack Attack and Magic Mike's and Boyfriend Material and Too Fast, Too Forever co-host Joe Two's house. And I remember I was at a stoplight and I texted you guys and I was like, holy shit, this album. And you were like, right? And then Chris, I think, went and, went and listened to it in short order. It but took man, me a little while, yeah. It is good. I was behind on this album because I... Kesha was also a singles person. I, I had heard the other albums, um, but for the most part, I felt like her early albums, and 
um, n- you know, knowing that she was not controlling her career and to the extent now that we know, um, I'm less surprised how much filler there was on her first albums. I felt like her early albums were not cover to cover bangers. There was a lot of just like ugh, in between there. Um, yeah, there's well, just like she could put out like a thousand albums a year. Yeah, exactly. So I liked Kesha. Like I love, um, uh, oh, fuck. What's the name of that song? TikTok. Um, uh, blow. No. Um, no. Nope. Die Young. Die Young. I love Die Young. Um, and then there's the the closing track on Animal, which I think is called Animal, uh, is fantastic. So there's stuff that's not singles that is good. But then you've got stuff like Blah 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 and that song with 303, which you can fucking keep. Those are the same song. Um, and something I do really appreciate on this album is that she's kind of lost that character she's been playing, but not entirely. It feels so much more organic now um, that she's not Kesha with the dollar sign, that she's like... Um, Kesha with the her personality. Person. Yeah, and I was blown away when I read that her mother helped write a bunch of this album. Um, that's It's not like she just like was like, hey, mom, do this. Like, her mom was a songwriter um, when she uh, was younger. Um, but I think that's really fucking cool. And this album feels so much more organic than any other Kesha album does. And I saw an interview with her where the guy interviewing her was like, <laughs> I don't remember how they transitioned to it, but he was like, you've got pipes. And she's like, I know, I finally get to show people that. And just her performances on this album are so much better than anywhere else. That dumb voice that goes like this is like gone. She hits, she hits that fucking high E in in praying that is just like, yeah. fuck me, how, yeah. how? We'll talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I almost feel like this is warranting like a. <laughs> I almost feel like this warrants like a track by track thing, but like, let's just talk about what we think are the high points of this album. Um, okay, I'm gonna come into this as the guy who has seen Kesha in concert multiple times, and I'm gonna come into this as the guy who uh, has every deluxe edition of every Kesha record, and uh, yeah, I'm gonna be that faggot for about five minutes. Um, I'll keep try to keep it down to two, but. <sighs> You know, when people would ask me why I love Kesha and, and, you know, when she is just literally a drunk... I mean, she's, like, act... Like, you know, her performance, her character was horrific. And I'm like, but here's the thing. You have to ask yourself, do you hear Kesha getting into the shit that everybody's saying that Miley gets into? And Selena and Justin Bieber. Do you you hear Kesha in any of that? No? Okay. And you see Kesha's name on every one of her songwriting credits? Oh, okay. Hmm. And you hear Kesha is writing for other artists? Hmm, okay. Mm-hmm. And I think the the lesson here is she actually that was a character, but that character is part of who she is, and there's actually so many sides to who she is that she wants to show. And I do think this benefited from the fact that she had years to refine it. This wasn't just a record she got out in a year about pain. This was a record she had plenty of time to shape into the perfect release. And the fact that she went from Kesha Dumb Party Girl to Kesha the fucking singer-songwriter nominated for multiple Grammys and you can suck a dick if you don't like it but but that bitch is gonna go home with gold this year and she got to write a, she got to write a song that released the demons of her famous rapist who tried to destroy her career for looking for justice what the fuck do you even say to that? And in the entire time she's doing this, in this entire time she's fighting for her freedom and herself and her mind and her everything, she's still writing songs like Woman, and if you read her manifesto about it, it's not just for women. It's for anyone who needs to pump themselves up and feel good about who they are. It's a song meant to celebrate just being a crazy bitch. And I think there are some points where I'm like, you don't need praying and him together. Like, mm. that's a little cloying, but, you know, her mom has always been a part of her songwriting process, and now her mom gets to be front and center with her. And she got to do a song that her mom wrote for Dolly Parton, and she, you know, it it's just, it's a crowning achievement in her career in the first place, but the fact that it was born of being told that she was never going to be worth it again is ten times more beautiful than anything. Yeah, no, I mean, I loved it. I... The only thing I don't love about it is that uh, the is that woman was played at the end of Bad Moms Two, okay. so that's not right. which I felt was a little on the nose. 
Um, but I mean, I just love it. I don't, I don't have anything really else to say about it. I think, oh, oh, no, wait, no, I do have something else to say. I completely forgot. So I realized this year, uh, while listening to that album, that my perfect band, my ideal band is Kesha singing over Eagles of Death Metal music. Like that is exactly what I want. (laughs) Those two songs are both great. I know that Chris, I think Chris hates Boogie Feet maybe. Um, but like Let Him Talk and Boogie Feet, like I love both of those. And like, I love that like harder rock background, but like with like really cool, powerful, strong lady voice in front. And like those songs, I was like, oh, I would sort of been like, I kind of knew how to articulate what I loved. And then when I heard that, I was like, oh no, this is exactly. So like when people are like, what kind of music are like, I like this, this song, like if you <laughs> give me this, this is exactly what I want. I would like a genre of these two songs, please. Give me all of these songs, please. I mean, as a, I mean, yeah, I, I think Boogie Feet is the worst song on the album, but like, it's still not, you know, it's, it's the Kendrick Lamar spot on the album. It's still not the worst thing in history. Um, it's, the album as a whole, just if you think about it, like how much of this would you have never expected coming from Kesha? Opening with a slow acoustic song, which fucking rules. Um, songs with the Eagles of Death Metal, songs with Dolly, a bunch of country stuff. Dolly Parton shows up here. Um, if, uh, if you down. actually check her like early demos, like the demos that leaked years ago that she used to get her her label deal, uh, you would. This is literally like this was all her wheelhouse. Like this I, is sure her I mean, early. Yeah, her early demos reflected a lot of this, and but it's it's so great to get to see that now. For non-Nicopedia people who didn't know that, like the songs like "Hunt You Down" and the one by Parton are such like amazing breaths of like it's just like wow, this is I'm so glad this Kesha got to emerge. It's just like it fucking sucks. Like the last year and a half, like um, obviously, like but like. How Godzilla might be my favorite track of the year. I'm not gonna lie. Um, like that song makes me so fucking happy. Yeah. We couldn't possibly have this discussion if we didn't briefly talk about <sighs> Cut to the Feeling by Carly Rae Jepsen as a single. Mm. It's Love great. It. Uh, like, I mean, do we do we need to go? We could save it for the emotion minute, which whenever, you know, that fictitious podcast that definitely will never exist, but we'll keep talking about it. Um, no, we can, but we can I, talk about it now. Like, we could talk about how this is oh the my only God. song all year that I listened to 30 times in a row and felt like it wasn't enough. <laughs> I want to do a live stream of all listening to her new record when it comes out. Oh, we have to do um, that. Wait. Yeah. Does she have a new album coming out this year? She said yeah. at live shows that she's recorded, like, or she's written, like, 100 more songs. Yeah. But again, I just need to say my thing one more time. When, when The more these demos leak, the more I'm like, no, no, no. You use the same seven words in every single song. It is like the seven dwarves in this piece because every single song is about going to emotion and having emotion. And, you know, I don't think multiple songs have stealing bikes, <laughs> but you know what I'm saying. But you say that like it's a bad thing. No, no, no. I even love the thematic intertanglement. Entanglement, All right, Max but- Landis. It, but at the same time, <laughs> fuck, that, God, that, I, I got can, unpopular real fast. Um, can we just talk about how that's like the worst thing to happen? Well, Max Linus in general is the worst thing. One of the worst things to happen to us. Yeah. But that Carly yeah. Rae Jepsen fucking like Unabomber manifesto, it was just missing a fucking section about how recycling wasn't real to be full on. Just the dumbest fucking thing in the world this year. It's actually not uh, pollution in China. It's chemtrails. So... Oh. Um, I think, yeah, I, I think it's really cool. But at the same time, I don't think it's 100 songs then. I think it's 80 songs done, you know, uh, a little extra, done four, done five-fourths. You know what I mean? Like, it's it's not a million different songs. Yeah, I'm, I'm not going to lie. I do have that fear uh, that another album will let me down because her songwriting is not to the level of a Lord or a Kesha. But I'm still really excited for any kind of follow-up. What is hap- What is happening on this podcast? When did we find it was okay to criticize Carly Rae Jepsen? It's always okay to criticize the things you love, because if you can't see the weaknesses in the things you love, you can't really appreciate them holistically. She is infallible. She is our Pope. I don't know. Have you seen that hair? 
that... Wait, and can I pause you both? I'm the gay one, so if anybody here is legally obligated to think that she is amazing and wish that I nursed from her teats as a child, it is me. And I'm still like... It's a great record. I don't feel the same way about the first two, and I don't necessarily know that it's a progressive step. I think Emotion is a beautiful pop masterpiece, but... You know, some of the stuff I've heard about the next record and some of the stuff that's kind of leaked, I'm, I'm sort of like, I don't like that she said she listened to nonstop ABBA, ABBA, whatever, before going into the studio. I think I think it's always good to be, to lower your expectations when something is coming out to follow up something that was, like, mind-blowingly good and changed the game, or else I think, I think the only thing that there can possibly be is disappointment in a follow-up to emotion. Yeah. Um... 100%. I think we have to temper our expectations just ever so slightly. I think it could still be good, uh, but again, you know, to kind of do that Kendrick Lamar Breaking Bad thing, I think it's not going to rock us like Emotion did. I don't think anything possibly could, and I don't think that's a bad thing. I was going to completely change the subject here, and we can get, we can maybe get into this inside of me. I don't know, but like talking about TV for a second, which is way more in my wheelhouse than music, but like the leftover season two was so good and like was so perfect and so pure and lo- everything about it I loved. And I was like, there's no way season three can be as good. And then guess what? Season three was even better. And so maybe whatever this 2018 album from Carly Rae Jepsen is, is the season three leftovers to the season two leftovers that is emotion. So maybe, you know, it could be my favorite thing in the world. And then the sequel is even better. Like maybe that is well, that, that's, I mean, that might be setting things up a little bit too ambitious, but that's what I'm hoping for. Well, and, and, and let me even jump in to go back to music, not to purposely cut you out, Joey, but to purposely cut Joey out. <laughs> I have this thing about, so I, I've, Chris will, rem- Chris will remember that, and I'm not being a hipster about it, I swear to God, I'm just making the point so that when I attack this person senselessly, I sound... I don't think it defends me at all. I've loved John Mayer since before he was a national thing. I've loved John Mayer since you had to get his fucking EP from shows. Like, when I say I loved John Mayer before other people had heard of him, I loved John Mayer when it was easy to get tickets for $10. I loved John Mayer when it was easy to get tickets to live tapings of night shows, and I saw him do multiple nighttime shows in the New York area because he was nobody yet, and um, and he was still having... Acts put as his opening act by his label, not his choice. So, like, but I don't know that he is necessarily the god that everybody likes to say he is. I think he's super talented, and I love him, and I think he's got brilliant songwriting, but I don't think he is this super god. And I think, you know, he did Room for Squares, which was super incredible, and then he did Heavier Things, which was pretty great, all things considered. And then everybody sort of like cumgasmed over continuum nonstop relentlessly a thousand times and you know what I even think it's a really great record but it does not feel like the logical progression of the artist of the first two albums and in a TV show you really do hope that the next season is a logical progression of the previous season in a way that explores the themes further but in a record a record is a cut and dry thing it's a one and done now if you do a second volume or you do a bonus ep or you do an alternate takes or you just i don't know you just you crumple the record up and you fuck yourself with the shards on stage i don't know what you want to do but if you do more of it with it in it that's great but because records are these unique things i I kind of think it's more like saying what's the next show from the creators of the leftovers than The Leftovers Season 3 from The Leftovers Season 2 because albums are so unrelated to each other in so many ways. Yeah. People well, can in just that regard, genres. In that regard, then, I mean, you could say Damon Lindelof made Lost, which is maybe my favorite TV show of all time. Like, what's he going to follow that up with? And it's like, oh, The Leftovers, my second favorite TV show of all time. And so even in that regard, I have hope for emotion side C, I guess, because we have side B. So. No, that already exists. They actually they put out a, um, a re-release of side B that has cut to the feeling on it that is called side C. Yeah. Is it really? Well, then side D. Yes. But no, but there is no side D. Whatever's next isn't side yeah, it's D. Not Whatever's next is, you know, is, is Chorus Factor Rainbow. And Chorus Factor Rainbow is gonna fuck, name it that. Yeah, that's woman, a really please. good name. <laughs> but... 
But Chorus Factor Rainbow is uh, going to be this incredible record that is its own thing. And I just have to say this, and I have to say it because I have to say it. There's a book called Disney War, and if you read Disney War, it's all about how Eisner rose to power and then lost his mind. And it's actually by the guy that wrote Den of Thieves, who was nominated for a Pulitzer Prize. So it's not like by like Pauly Short's cousin or anything. It's like, you know, it's a legitimate nonfiction investigative journalist who got permission to be in the boardroom and shit. And um, the fascinating thing about Lost is Lost's whole existence is because Michael Eisner passed on Survivor and then regretted it when it was a huge hit and demanded that they write a scripted Survivor. And they had written three or four drafts and every draft was worse than the last. And Damon Lindelof saw it on a pile of scripts when he was there for like... uh, J.J. Abrams, I'm sorry, J.J. Abrams saw the Damon Lindelof version and was like, okay, can I look at this and play with it for a little bit? And that's the whole reason Lost exists. It had been literally passed on repeatedly by ABC over and over again. And the Damon Lindelof draft is like the third or fourth draft. So a lot of it he is credited with, you know, because the as long as you add 51%, you can like put your name on the script and after a certain number of revisions a name can be removed from a script there's no telling even how much was whose idea anymore it's such a perfect storm of things happening to even exist that J.J. Abrams happened to see it and it's because Eisner happened to pass on Survivor Lost's sheer existence proves Lost is magical love it I love it I mean, I'll use an example of something that I enjoyed this year. Um, I put out a, not put out, I, I always make it, and it's mostly for friends to, you know, just see if they like anything on it. Maybe find one new album. I always put out a top 25 albums of the year. Um, Joey does the same thing with TV. I, I think it's it's a good, not only a, an exercise for your own creativity, but, a, you know, if one other person finds something that they wouldn't have found otherwise, I think it was worthwhile. Uh, yeah. Exactly. My number 10 was a, an album called Nocturnal by The Midnight. And The Midnight put out, I think it was, it was either, I forget if it was 2017 or 2016, I think it was 2017. They put out an album that absolutely just changed the genre of retro wave. Like them and FM84 both dropped albums. And I'm like, like, you can't pick one over the other. Like both just came out around the same time, completely changed the genre and turned on its head. It's like, this is the new gold standard. Who the fuck is going to come close to this? And they put out a new album. Maybe it's more like an EP, but it's like they put out a new release this year. And it's not as good as something that completely upended how everyone will see that genre. But that's that's okay. It's okay that you didn't you didn't make another ten, but you made like an eight, and that's that's fine. No no one's disappointed. You know no one no one. <laughs> I thought you were gonna say you didn't make another ten. You made a mythology. <laughs> it's just. <laughs> fuck uh it's just it's fine <laughs> it's fine that something isn't as good as the last one we, but i think the important thing is maturity as a songwriter um and that's i think where my bigger concern comes from i hope i hope carly ray jepson matures as a songwriter because i'm not sure she did between kiss and emotion i think i think emotion's a perfect storm kind of like you said um and I'm glad it exists. I'm thrilled it exists. It's changed my outlook on pop. Uh, it, it's it's one of my favorite albums of all time, and it will probably never leave my top ten albums of all time. Um, I just, you know, I want to, I want another album. I just, I don't think it's healthy to expect another emotion. Yeah. Ditto. I'm still going to do it. I'm still going to hope. And let's just talk about individual, oh, side note, um, if you check the cageclub.me uh, link f- section for this episode, uh, we are going to make a 20-ish song um, now and again mixtape for 2017 where we put songs that we collectively liked. So you're going to find some Kesha, some um, some Lord, uh, some Kendrick, and then some individual tracks that we all loved. And you're going to have what we found to be, so to obviously, some. cut to the feeling, um, some stuff that we loved through 2017 so that you can kind of share... You can share this, this ride these vibes with us, man. But we're going to talk about some individual things that uh, maybe either individual tracks that didn't have an album or like it was just the standout of a otherwise mediocre album. Maybe just some things that one of us has heard and not the others. So we're going to kind of do a roundtable thing here. Let's start off with Nico. Um, Nico, what are what's your shit from 2017 that uh, maybe we were not in on? 
Uh, so I'm gonna say the thing that I think everybody should have listened to by now: Utopia by Bjork. Holy fuck! Yeah. Oh um, yeah, I'm in on that. It's great. Uh, we oh talked about it last episode it too. It's, it's so mind blowing. So mind blowing. But then the things that I think uh, maybe a little bit more under the surface. Uh, if you guys like Foster the People, their last EP three was super great. Um, I think there was an album that followed it, and if I'm not mistaken, I listened to it once or twice and didn't love it. But those three songs on that EP are great. Uh, Super Duper Doug, uh, I Miss You by Clean Bandit. They had that song Rather Be with Jess Glynn. That was pretty hot. Um, but then for the stuff that maybe is a little bit more, what the fuck are you talking about? Um, Kimbra had Top of the World, as, long, as well as everybody knows. Uh, Kimbra is super brilliant. She had that song, Everybody, uh, Somebody That I Used to Know with Gauthier. Um, yep. And uh, she had a phenomenal, unbelievable second album. It, it's one of the bravest pieces of music I know. And it's bravery inspired so much of Kid Riot uh, in terms of just go with what you want to do. Because I said to myself, if she can be this brave, I can be brave too. Um, <clears throat> but then the things that like are super obscure, I can't recommend Oh Wonder enough. They're this super fun pop duo. Uh, their record Ultra Life was super great and every single off of it was incredible but the best song by far is Heavy Heavy is the sexiest, grooviest jam ever um, Gavin Turek's Good Look For You is a phenomenal disco throwback EP uh, it, it it is so genuinely like the LA gay experience in five songs it's fucking incredible and she is breathtaking and uh, her voice is almost unparalleled in terms of like a flawless smooth quality please check that out and if you're listening to some weird shit please check out uh, Tierra Whack Mumbo Jumbo is uh, my actual song of the year um uh, please please actually I almost wish you guys could play it right now without it like destroying the podcast um but guys please listen to Mumbo Jumbo by Tierra Whack it's an experimental style track the lyrics are literally impossible to understand on purpose and it's it's just a phenomenal piece of music. It really, really changed my mind about what would get me to emote how. And that really, that's the point of art. It, it for me, did the Hell. thing art needs to do. Obviously, mm-hmm. I'm going to plug the new Tori Amos album, Native Invader. It grew on me quite a bit. Uh, and then BT has released uh, three tracks, The Upside Down, LSTM, and Four. He has Take released a shot, extended guys. mixes mentioned on the podcast. Take a shot. Mm-hmm. I know right I do what Tory, I can. Right after a Tori one, someone's drunk out there. <laughs> All right, somebody's like, gosh, Scotchka. So um, there's also extended mixes of all three tracks. Please check out the extended mixes because BT is not meant to be a single edit. He is meant to be 11 minutes of just high as fuck. So um, I think that takes me through my you got to do it or you'll dies. Uh, I'm sure there was other stuff. I don't think there was anything else where I, I was shaken in my core that I haven't really talked about on now and again. Um But to say my favorite now and again moment one more time was uh, episode 15, the baby bash. (laughs) They did the baby bash. It was a baby smash. So uh, that's me. Thanks. Joey, take it. So because I'm a basic bitch, uh, Despacito, gotta say that, gotta give a shout out to the song of the summer if it wasn't for Cut to the Feeling, gotta mention Despacito, the Justin Bieber remix, A+. But what I do want to say, what I what I listen to probably more than most other music this year, um, aside from maybe like Kendrick and maybe Lorde and maybe a couple other albums, there is this duo called Hammock, and they did the score for this movie Columbus that came out last year which was directed by this guy, Koganada, who did a bunch of short videos, like 10-minute videos on Vimeo, and he did one on the Criterion disc for a Soderbergh movie. And this guy, Koganada, made this really beautiful movie called Columbus, and the score to that is incredible. And then I looked up Hammock, and they put out an album this year called Mysterium, and that's incredible. It's just instrumental, sort of like a... I think Apple Music calls like an ambient soundscape, if you want to get a real, you know, pretentious about it. But it's just beautiful. And then also... As we're recording this, you know, as you're listening to this, a couple weeks ago on my podcast, Boyfriend Material, we covered Blade Runner 2049, and the score to that is incredible, too. And that was done by Hans Zimmer, which I I feel like he's gotten this, like, sort of, like, bad rap. Like, you can hear the scores from, like, the Christopher Nolan Batman movies and be like, oh, like, that's what he is now. But, like, you hear Blade Runner, and it's just like, oh, this is amazing. And so I feel like these, like, instrumental sort of, not necessarily passive listening, but sort of, you know, not active listening, not, you know, getting hit with emotions like you did on the Kesha album, but, like, these, the, the, the album by, you know, I guess both, you know, the Columbus soundtrack and Mysterium by Hammock, and then the Blade Runner score are just great. Nico, did you see 2049? 
No. Because I'm the most basic bitch. I saw Moana, and I really liked that. Okay. <laughs> I will brief... I will kind of uh, refer people back to... <laughs> to now and again 15 for some stuff i like but i'll try to be brief um singles so um maybe this is part of the disappointments of 2017 um an indie artist called kississippi um i expected a full album out of her this year um and didn't get it just got some ep stuff and a new single release called cut your teeth um which is it's great um so that's a a very light disappointment is that we didn't get a full album from kississippi um the bomb pops finally did put out their full album the bomb pops are a, um, a female fronted punk band from california um they were supposed to start an album a couple of years ago with um no use for names tony sly producing and then he died so stuff got delayed and shifted and they put out a single called uh california in july that is just, it's like just great perfect like two minutes of fast like early no effects but fronted by women style you know power pop punk uh and it's fucking really great and then the rest of the album's just like there um taylor swift's album kind of sucked uh <laughs> Reputation was trash, in my opinion, but uh, I like the track New Year's Day, the closer, um, specifically the version that she performed on Jimmy Fallon. Um, the actual album version is like overlong and poorly produced, um, but I really loved her live performance of New Year's Day. Um, and on that note, I just for me, it was a really great year for indie women, like uh, indie rock fronted by women. So many of the albums on my top 25... Um, are, are that and and so many albums that from artists that I didn't like previously um, I mean we kind of mentioned Lord already though she's not indie rock um, but like St. Vincent's album was my favorite album of the year and I never really got on the St. Vincent train like a lot of people did but Mass Seduction just absolutely rocked my world and blew me away um, at the same time SZA again not indie rock but uh, an artist who put out an album that I didn't really vibe with a couple of years ago put out a blow away album for me with Control uh, spelled like it is on your keyboard CTRL um, not the full word, and Waxahachie... But actually, just just real quick about SZA is that, you know, you, how much you loved her and Kendrick last year, they already put out what's probably the best song of this year so far, yeah. right, for the Black Panther album, so... Yes. Um, and then, yeah, Waxahachie put out a an album that I, you know, I, I never really vibed on Waxahachie, and this is by far her best album. Um, another surprise was Tim Heidecker, yes, that Tim Heidecker of Tim and Eric, um, put out an album called Too Dumb for Suicide, which is a... Um, concept album about Donald Trump that is extremely worth listening to if you're okay with just like laughing about how terrible everything is sometimes because um, sometimes you just have to laugh or else you'll go insane and this album is uh, kind of great for that um, my other favorite albums of the year that came out uh, we talked about a bunch of them that are in my top 10 already including The Midnight Kayatana uh, or Kaytana, I'm not sure a bunch of uh, Philly Girls put out a great indie rock album um, Iron Sh- Iron Chick, Iron Chic, C H I C, um, just put out a pop punk. Oh my God! No, it's Iron Chic. Iron Chic, Iron Chic, like the wrestler, um, but spelled differently. Yeah, uh, that's very punny. Yeah, that's very punny. Put out very an album clever. called like "You Can't Stay Here," which is it's super like melodic punk with like a tinge of hardcore from the lead singer, uh, with really fun gang vocal style singalongs and great lyrics. Um, blew me away. Kind of came out of nowhere. I didn't even see this album until like mid-December um, but immediately jumped into my top 10 just fucking fantastic fun rock um, which is a breath of fresh air when every other like mainstream rock band that's coming out now just sounds like fucking Imagine Dragons and you can fucking keep that and then lastly Charlie Bliss uh, again female fronted indie rock from I think they're from New York um, put out an album that sounds like Veruca Salt or like any of those early 90s um alternative female-fronted bands. Uh, Julian Baker's Turn Out the Lights is an album that is probably the closest I will ever get to a religious experience. It is a very slow, dark album about uh, from a like a 23-year-old girl who has already dealt with depression and addiction, and it rocked me to my fucking core, and it is beautiful, um, and it's tough to recommend to people. Um, not tough in the way like that um, Mount Erie album this year about his fucking wife dying like that. It's it's different. It's not quite that brutal, um, but it's a tough listen. But it's it it'll get you if it gets you. Um, and then it's great. Yeah. And then like I said, Mass Seduction. Uh, I think I fucking loved it. A track like I think New York is probably going to be the one that's on the um, on the mixtape. There's, there's just so many different styles on that, and she actually got a lot of shit. 
uh, well, shit, but like reviewers, if there was a negative, it was like, it's too all over the place. Nah, I think this is her best album, like, and it's not even close. Um, so yeah, that's kind of the stuff I loved. Uh, anyone else got uh, some some final thoughts for music before we move on? I actually had a, a bummer that uh, occurred to me. A whole lot of records were supposed to come out this year and didn't. Mm. And that was really disappointing. For whatever reason, the Kimbra record was actually supposed to be out today, and it got moved to 420. Um, the I think she just wanted oh, to move it to 420. Yeah. Like, hey, smoke I, I wish, because I think it's more like it wasn't done. That's probably more <laughs> um, yeah. I Yeah. Michelle uh cover album uh, got pushed back to, I think they said March now, and it was supposed to be out in November. That wasn't even on my radar, but um, now I'm kind of excited for that. Uh, she released uh, a single. It's a cover of Tender Love. Uh, it's super fucking great. You know, she's an artist who has never done two consecutive records in the same genre. So you kind of never know what you're going to get. But the last three or four records have been pretty a heavy, heavily acoustic guitar. Hmm. And she is quite an unpredictable uh, performer. She really is something else. So if I have a complaint, it's we should have had more records to talk about this year, but we didn't. Oh, oh, actually, I have one thing I do need to say. 2017 signaled Fergie finally getting out this second record. Congratulations, Fergie. You've been trying to release this record since like 2013 or something. Like, this record is seriously way overdue. The singles have been coming out forever. Um, And... I like the new single, and I think Fergie's pretty cool, and I think MILF Money is one of the funniest pieces of art I've ever seen. It's a hell of a pun. And the music video is great, too. Final thoughts, Joey? I have two more... I have two other notes about music that I forgot to talk about. Number one, uh, Queens of Stone Age Villains is a great album, and I keep worrying... Like, when you have, a, when you have like a really... Like, a, a favorite band, and the Queens of Stone Age is probably my top two or three... Um, maybe maybe my my favorite non Radiohead band. Um, I know you guys love Radiohead on this program. Love them on this podcast. My favorite um, my favorite Radiohead track is "Oi, Me Phone Is Yelling At Me Again." My yep. favorite my favorite Radiohead track is by Lana Del Rey. <laughs> hey man. Oh, do we even, we didn't talk about Lana either? Hold. Oh, that album. We, is we are rushing through music. Yeah. I, I listened to like eight albums. I, we didn't talk about four of them. Um, <laughs> I don't like Lana Del Rey. When you have a favorite band, I, I always worry. I guess sort of the same thing with Carly Rae Jepsen. Like you worry that the new album's not going to be as good. And like Villains is great. Like I mean, it's not songs for the deaf, but nothing songs for the deaf. And like it's great. And just like like Clockwork, it's great. Um, Lana's album is great. And I also want to say I'm just thumbing through my iPhone right now looking at albums I have downloaded and two soundtracks. Again, uh, Baby Driver's soundtrack and the Atomic Blonde soundtrack. Not necessarily new music, but new takes or new collections of music from movies from last year that just, you know, bringing old things new again uh, or, you know, new versions or new ways or whatever. And I think that was kind of a cool coincidence that there were two movies that both I really liked that had really, really cool soundtracks that, you know, highlighted some older songs I wasn't too familiar with. Yeah, isn't it cool when, like, movies and TV, it's, well, TV does it all the time now, use music really well? I, I I think my favorite musical moment in film is probably the use of the chain in Guardians 2. I really love that. It's really good. You just Are you talking about ever or are you just talking about from last year? Oh, last year. Because it's still, we'll talk about it next now and again. Stay tuned. My favorite use of music ever in a movie. But no, this past year. Oh. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's next. Um, this year, no. Yeah. yeah. I, you know, Baby Driver, I think, falls in that Kendrick range where it was good, but not as good as I wanted it to be. Um, oh, no, the, no. Baby Driver as a movie is not as good as it should yeah. be. Like, the opening scene is exactly what I want yep. the whole movie to be, mm-hmm. and it never reaches that again. It's like, oh. But the soundtrack is great. The Harry Styles album was apparently great, but I didn't find an hour to listen to that. Did either of you listen to that? Is that good? did not listen um i have listened to a bunch of the one direction boys music uh some of it's pretty okay a lot of it i've um without getting that preachy sanctimonious shit i get into every episode it's not that it's not good art and it's not that i just don't get it no it's not aimed for me it wasn't it's not built around the sensorial experiences that their age group shares that built their common interest across a genre that creates popular artists. I just, uh, there's things I, 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 I just don't fucking understand why nobody minds that music is completely undynamic now, and that's just me. 
Um, well, I guess, you know, we're actually a little under where I thought we'd be, so I'll throw one more question out there, and you guys can take a minute to think about it if you need to. Any musical wishes or things that you know are, are coming out that you're excited for in 2018? I'm going to say it again. Kimbra, Kimbra, Kimbra. Um, the Golden Echo was one of the bravest things I've ever heard recorded. I really can't wait to hear Primal Heart. We've gotten a couple of singles. They're really good. Uh, I'm pretty stoked. Um, the upcoming Michelle DiGicello cover album has... Uh, some pretty obscure, cool covers, but a couple of them are by uh, the same writing team that Janet Jackson's always worked with, including one by Janet, which is really exciting. Uh, the record was actually born of needing to find a way to deal with the loss of mm. Prince and needing to cover his music to help uh, cope with, with losing him. Uh, I know there's a bunch of people that I'm super into that have albums coming out this year and I just I'm blanking for some reason uh, I think I think the big thing that I really want from 2018 is I, I don't I feel like everything's kind of how do I the most I am most frequently introduced to new music when I'm at the gym and uh, you know the gym radio station every other song is either old or it's, it's an old song and then it's a really new song and then it's a recent song and then it's a really new song and then it's an old song and then it's a really new song etc and um I get exposed to a lot of things that way, and I think it's really interesting because I find so many of the male voices identical. I find so many of the female voices identical. And what I'm looking for isn't even diversity of song character anymore. I just want to hear a different fucking voice for a change. Like, I hope there is some dynamic shift in what we find resonantly pleasing again because I'm, I'm, I am a little bit bored. Oh, and I have one thing that didn't come out this year, but f- fuck me if I didn't discover it way too late. Uh, I don't know if they're Dance or DNCE, the Joe, uh, the, the Joe Jonas Band. Oh. Um, that shit's actually really Cake good. by the Ocean Cake by the Ocean <laughs> yes. yes, Cake by the Ocean People. I actually really enjoy the fuck out of that record. I'm not even kidding. It's actually kind of fun. Listen to it a bunch at the gym. Fuck you both. Joey? Fuck you very much. Um, I don't have anything, you know, I don't have any expectations because I don't listen to a ton of music, as I keep saying on this podcast. But um, I would just like to see albums, new albums from artists that I really like that haven't put out an album in a couple of years. Maybe, like, Florence and the Machine could be a cool year. I would like to see maybe a new, I don't know if there's any plans for, like, a Tom York solo album or, like... You know, maybe a new album from Grimes, or maybe a new album from Kanye, or... I've heard rumblings of new Kanye. All these people that, like, you know, people that put out albums two or three years ago, like, I got a new Queens album last year, I got, you know, uh, new Kendrick last year, like, there's there's just people that I like that I want to see more of, and, you know, I usually don't find out something's coming out until, like, the week of, and I'm like, oh, cool, okay, that's, that's new, so, um, just give me more of what I like, and... I will keep listening to this very podcast and get new recommendations and also our Facebook Messenger chat, but get new recommendations from you guys about things that I should be absorbing, because I did really appreciate what you said last week or last month, sorry, the last episode 15B, about how if you are not doing the work, if you're not putting the work in to get new music, you're doing it wrong. And I really feel like that's sort of true of movies too and kind of to an extent tv although tv is still sort of easier to find but i feel like if you do more work finding movies if you go hunt out things at your local indie theater or you like look into what's only on demand or whatever it's the same thing with music like you're going to find things that are exactly what you want that aren't just pushed out to the masses so I'm going to keep listening to this keep getting your recommendations maybe do a little bit of work try to find things on my own but just hoping for more things that I like and also finding new things that I like. Cool. Um, I guess I'll, I'll wrap this up. Um, I'll say that in 2018, I, I, like I said, I have heard rumblings of a new Kanye album and I do hope we get it. I would love to... So this is just like an entirely personal thing. You know, in, in the last couple of years, uh, Blake Blink-182 like came back and Tom DeLonge was like, I'm going to go find aliens. Uh, that's how he sounds. And... He left the band, or was kicked out of the band, or whatever, and they brought in uh, Matt Skiba, who was one of my favorite songwriters of all time, and he's just, like, kind of, like, in Blink-182 now. Um, So, if he's gonna, like, I feel like he doesn't have impetus to, like, be in his, in Alkaline Trio anymore, and if that's the case, I hope we get, 
like a farewell album, like a one last album or one last tour from them, um, because I think they they need it. They are stalwarts of their genre. Um, so many bands have come and gone that have tried to emulate them and just like did for a minute and then faded away. We talked about how My Chemical Romance did that on the last now and again. Like they're they're fucking like like they deserve to go out on a note. Like they deserve to go out. Um, and I hope that he will make another record with them. And part of me does want it to be a farewell album. Um, and it's, it's been over 20 years now with them as a band. You know, if he's going to have his priorities other places, maybe it's time to hang it up. As uh, sad as that would make me, though, there has been some decline in their songwriting. Um, also, I know that Brian Fallon of the Gaslight Anthem is putting out a new, a sec- his second solo album. Um, this first solo album was kind of just like a bad Gaslight Anthem album. Um, so one of my wishes is that he finds his own kind of songwriting style, even though he wrote all the songs for Gaslight Anthem. So I guess it's kind of hard to find your own songwriting style when you are the songwriter. Um, I hope he differentiates his own solo sound from the Gaslight Anthems. Uh, and then, then, yeah, we, you know, we talked about Carly a lot. I want to hear a new album and I want to not be sad by it. For all of my Cage Club and Now and Again buddies who were on this episode, we'll catch you on the flip side. Yeah.